This is the Frankly Daniel Show, and yes, I'm the Daniel in the Frankly part of this enterprise. It's my weekly exercise of our First Amendment rights. Thank you for joining me. It's an honor to be here today with you. Today's show is entitled, The Power of Fear. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're welcome to go mask-free during this informative time. We're here together on the Frankly Daniel Show. You've always been welcome to breathe the air of liberty and freedom Guaranteed as one of our inalienable rights right here on the Frankly Daniel Show. However, however, if you feel more comfortable wearing a face mask as we tiptoe through the spring tulips today, please go right ahead. And if and if anyone gives you I mean anyone gives you any grief about wearing a mask while listening to my show, the Frankly Daniel Show, please let me know. Because I'll be happy to defend your constitutional right to wear that mask. At this point, isn't, isn't this what this is all about? We should be free to make an individual decision about whether to wear a mask or not. Listen, if I decide to wear a paper bag over my head with holes cut out for my eyes to see and ears to hear and, and my mouth to speak, well, why should you care? I'm sure my lovely wife and grown children would have a comment or two to make about my paper bag headset. But like they say, it's a free country, right? Or is it? I couldn't be more tired of this topic if I worked at it, and I'm working at it now because, once again, we must address it and pay attention to what the Biden administration's public health despots are up to at any given moment. Now, if you're you're a germ homophobe or obsessive-compulsive germ-free air breather, please please get yourself an N95 mask and be sure to wear it properly. No leaks anywhere on your face and change it out regularly. After a couple of hours, you'll find even an N95 becomes increasingly uncomfortable, but, but they do the best of protecting you from possibly catching another COVID-19 variant. But then again, we're, we're talking about probabilistically and not necessarily scientifically. N95s only change the probability of infection. If, you, if you're immunocompromised, or if you're as old as no one, haven't gotten around to writing your, your will, just go ahead and wear an N95 in crowded spaces, and you'll probably be fine. But short of talking about these specific circumstances, what can anyone say positive about all the face mask garbage still tumbling and stumbling out of the Biden administration. Well, there was one positive event this past week regarding mandatory face masks. Finally, a federal judge in the 11th Circuit, and of all places, Florida, has issued a ruling stating that the CDC has no legal authority to issue mask mandates for public transportation. Go, go figure. Yep, the U.S. District Judge Catherine Kimball Mizell, a Trump appointee no less, concluded in her ruling that the mask mandate violated federal law because the Biden administration didn't allow for public comment before it was implemented. Yeah, they don't like public comment, believe me. 
Now, this despite they had over two years to allow for this required 30-day comment period. But, but just like their arbitrary mandates for so many public health measures and, and acts concerning COVID-19, the CDC and the FDA hold themselves above any criticism or challenge from the public about their arbitrary rules that meaningly affect us all. Just more arrogance from the CDC that's become more woke and despotic over the last 18 months. Even more important than just telling the CDC that it violated an administrative rule, this federal judge had the nerve to go ahead and rule that the CDC, in fact, lacks the statutory authority to compel people to wear masks on federal public transportation, such as airplanes, trains, and buses. The CDC claimed that the Public Health Services Act of 1944 gave it the power to regulate travelers in any manner it saw fit. The judge's finding, however, said that the law only grants the CDC the ability to directly regulate individuals only, only if they are traveling into the United States from abroad or are reasonably believed to be infected with a communicable disease in a a qualifying stage. As with so many of the Biden administrative's behaviors, they took simple administrative rule that happens to be 78 years old, 1944. Think of what was going on at that time. We were toward the push toward the end of World War II. And they expanded it beyond any reasonable point in, in an effort to impose their will, the, the Biden administration's will, because after all, the CDC is totally political these days. They wanted to impose their will on you and me. Yeah, you and me are the Americans. We're the citizens. Citizens still have some meaning in this, in, in this country. And, and thank goodness that someone challenged this ridiculous two-week extension because otherwise, edicts like this one would have become new perverted standing rules that eventually would have become precedent. So when you don't allow for public comment, as called for in the law, the CDC will turn around and argue, no one complained about wearing masks before, so why now? Here's the much larger point. If the CDC can impose mandatory masking without scientific evidence and allowing no public comment, what else can they arbitrarily impose on us against our will? I'm, I'm not the only one who thinks that the Biden Department of Justice's appeal of this federal judge's ruling is going to fall flat. Here's Harmeet Dillon, CEO of the Center for Liberty. She made a few comments the other night on the Laura Ingram Show, and I'd like to share those with you. CDC and the DOJ and the Biden administration have really been all over the place on this issue and other issues having to do with public health. But specifically on this, I think Judge Mazzell methodically completely destroyed every single one of their arguments, starting with that 80-year-old law and whether the Biden administration's invoked sanitation requirement really fit the bill here. And the court went through the definition of sanitation and determined that it means cleaning. It does not mean uh, forcing people to wear a mask. And if it did mean forcing people to wear a mask, it would mean that the Biden administration has breathtakingly broad authority over wide parts of our lives, which is contrary to federalism principles we're all familiar with in the OSHA mandate case and other cases where the administration's rules have been struck down. 
This is exactly, exactly the point I made. If the CDC can impose mandatory masking without scientific evidence, and even as, just as importantly, not allowing any public comment, what else can they arbitrarily impose upon us against our wills? Now she goes on to say. But it isn't just that. The judge also dealt with the fact that um, they, they invoked this good cause exception to the notice and comment period and said, look, uh, this order was issued two, a year into this pandemic. Even if they wanted to issue it hastily, they could have still given notice and had a hearing well before the time it came to court, which they didn't do. And so two years after this pandemic started, the court finally was able to rule on it. And the court also dealt with a couple of other arguments and just handily destroyed them, uh, including that when you have a sort of couple of paragraph justification for a sweeping rule that affects millions of people, that's arbitrary and capricious under the Administrative Procedures Act. And so I don't see any way the 11th Circuit, which, as you said, is the second most conservative circuit, would ever uh, overturn this. I pray she's right about this, but we'll, we'll wait and see. But there you have it, actually, straight from one of the best constitutional and trial attorneys in the nation. And as for the scientific evidence about public masking, I'll delve into this again today. But let me just tickle the issue with a few statements from Dr. Harvey Risch, professor of public health at the Yale University School of Public Health. No, there's no adequate evidence to show that masks work for what's called source control to prevent the spread of COVID to other people. And in fact, one of the, the reports said there's been nothing new in the last week. That's not even true because the study from Spain came out in the last week or so showing that five-year-olds who are not masked against six-year-olds who are masked, the whole year had almost identical uh, cases of COVID and secondary spreads. It shows that masks are, masks are essentially useless. Interesting. I saw that same study out of Spain that Dr. Rich was speaking about. Now, time after time, these studies of students under mandatory mask rules and those without these rules show no difference in infections or hospitalizations from COVID. And importantly, there hasn't been one childhood COVID-19 death in any of these numerous studies. Haven't, haven't we had enough of the CDC's autocratic mandates? Uh, didn't they just try this with mandatory vaccines and were struck down? Do you remember when the Supreme Court recently struck down an occupational safety and health administration rule directing tens of millions of workers at large private companies to receive vaccines or to fire their employees? And, and when the CDC issued an eviction moratorium and orders that all passengers on cruise ships had to be vaccinated and wear masks, what happened there? All these mandates were also struck down by the courts. Now, Brant Hathaway, an attorney for the plaintiffs in this mass case, the one we're talking about before the federal judge, said, quote, Before COVID, the CDC had really played more of a background role, a sort of advice and consent role to the state public health authorities. It had never before sort of come to the forefront of a public health situation and say we're, we're going to dictate, directly dictate, how people can conduct themselves and, and how they can use their property. And, and that was really unprecedented. And boy, isn't that the truth. I've been a clinician, a public health educator, and a health services researcher now for more than 
50 plus years, and I've never seen the CDC step up and out of its lane and become so incredibly dogmatic and political. We can thank the radical progressive liberals, including Daffy Joe Biden, for the polarization and politicization of every department in our federal government. The, the, the CDC's been involved in everything from misinforming pregnant women that the COVID-19 vaccines are perfectly safe to working secretly with the teachers' unions to close schools and force mandatory face masking on our youngest children. And, and now they're in our faces about gender-affirming care. Yes, gender-affirming care regulations, mandating that children as young as 12 years of age as young as 12, can make life-altering decisions about their gender and unilaterally act on taking puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and even gender-affirming surgery to remove external male and female genitalia. Really? And where is our legacy media, you might ask, our propaganda media on the issue of face-masking travelers? Well, Here's a short recent clip of Dr. Elena Wen decrying this federal judge's ruling. Now, she's ubiquitous on CNN. She's on all the time. You may remember her. She served a short, a short stint as the CEO of Planned Parenthood. It's too bad. Yes, it's too bad that Dr. Wen doesn't have the same burning care about the senseless loss of 63 million babies to abortion since 1973 as she seems to care about the CDC's authority to mandate masking of travelers. ...was made by a judge doesn't mean that suddenly the science has changed. We, we know that masks remain very protective. I fear that now anything that the CDC or any public agency tries to do will constantly be called into question. I agree on one point with Dr. Wen's assessment. The science hasn't changed. That's because there is no science that supports masking as an effective tool in arresting the spread of COVID-19 or in helping an individual prevent infection. And I also agree that if the CDC continues to issue unsupported autocratic dictates, mandating changes in human behavior that violate our constitutional rights, then the courts will overrule them. Now, in my unhumble opinion... The conservative Republicans need to win back Congress and win the presidency in 2024 and then rip apart the CDC, the NIH, and the FBI and start over. What corrupted institutions? What started under the Obama-Biden administrations has morphed into a Republic-killing threat under Joe Biden that promises really to destroy every premise of personal liberty and freedom we hold dear and sacred. Now, let me ask you, what, what's so special about May 3rd? That's the date the CDC public transportation mask mandate extension would have ended had the federal judge not invalidated the CDC's authority to mandate masks in the first place. So what's so darn special about May 3rd? Notice the CDC didn't say they would end this mandate on May 3rd. They, they really only said they'd make another decision behind closed doors to the public about putting harmful face masks on the traveling public. And yes, there are new dangers emerging about wearing surgical face masks, especially when proven unnecessary. 
And if this arbitrary decision-making over mask isn't bizarre enough for you, ask yourself, what's special about May 23rd? Now, May is the month in the Biden administration. May 23rd is the date the CDC is going to lift Title 42. You all know what that is. That's the, the clause that sends unaccompanied men back across the border because somehow single men pose, the single alien uh, immigrants pose a COVID-19 risk to Americans. This, this on its face is ridiculous. How is it that the Biden administration allowed millions of illegal aliens to cross into America, but somehow single men are the COVID-19 threat? No, don't misunderstand me. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not in favor of any of these truly false asylum seekers from crashing America or our welfare system. Heck, I'm all for legal immigration. It's how my family part of the 12 million European and Eastern Europeans who came to America through Ellis Island. But we take in 1 million legal immigrants each year. But now we're forced again under mandatory illegal immigration orders by the Biden administration to the tune of 2.4 million per year of illegal aliens coming into the country and it's growing. So back to May 23rd. Is the pandemic over for illegal aliens crossing into America, but citizens will remain under the CDC's pandemic masking rules? Don't believe for a moment that Joe Biden understands any of what's going on with the CDC mask mandates or Title 42. When a reporter asked Dear Joe whether he plans to delay lifting Title 42, allowing most single immigrants to be quickly turned back at the border, Joe responded as if he, he'd missed his morning dose of Prevagen. considering delaying lifting Title 42? No, what I'm considering is continuing to hear from my, uh, my uh, well, first of all, there's going to be an appeal by the Justice Department because as a matter of principle, we want to be able to be in a position where if in fact it is strongly concluded by the scientists that we need Title 42, that we'd be able to do that. But there has been no decision on extending Title 42. A short time later, the White House issued a statement clarifying that President Biden was referring to the mask mandate and not Title 42 in his answer. It sounded, it sounded to me like he was responding to both in the same confused way. Joe talks about everything. Right after he says, quote, let me be clear and no joke. Now, I, I must take a moment to warn you that just because all the recent polls and TV pundits say Republicans are going to record-sweeping victories in November, that this will happen somehow all by itself. The greatest danger before us is our complacency. I'm talking about the misinformed assumption that there are going to be so many other conservative voters who will go to the voting booth that I, I don't need to show up that Republicans will win by such a large margin that my vote won't make any difference. I'll just be piling on. The truth is, this potential behavioral disregard on our part is the Democrats' only hope of surviving the November midterm elections. They're counting on us to be too busy and too confident to go and vote. They know they don't have one darn policy or outcome to run on other than hoping that our arrogance will lead to our overconfidence and eventual failure 
they show up and vote. So keep this in mind, will you please? Now back to mandatory face masks on planes, trains, buses, and in terminals. Corruptible Joe Biden. And all those pulling his puppet strings, they, they keep telling us they're just, they're just following the science. Now, those of us that follow the peer-reviewed published science have been busy these past two years trying to find the science they claim to be following. If woke opinions were science, the Biden administration would be flush with proof. But opinions and using fear tactics to enforce mandates, now that, just, that just doesn't cut it. The problem is that there's no scientific evidence that such an arbitrary mask mandate was ever science-based. Now, widespread mandatory face masking for this pandemic has always been born out of fear, along with the need to give the public some assurances that public health officials knew what to do, and, and putting a mask on was one of those necessary public health tools. These following sentences are part of item number five of a recent public 10-point complaint to Prime Minister Boris Johnson by 130 clinicians in London concerning, among other things, the unethical use of fear to control Britain throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. Quote, inappropriate and unethical use of behavioral science to generate unwarranted fear over all things COVID-19 must stop. Propagation of deliberate fear narratives has been disproportionate, harmful, and counterproductive, and we request that it should cease forthwith. Now, I'm sharing this with you because I want you to know that we're not the only nation that's been subjected to perpetual fear messaging to control us throughout the entire COVID-19 pandemic. Allow me to read parts of this very public uh, letter to Boris Johnson outlining this group's concerns about the government's use of fear as it relates to forcing children to wear these masks during school hours. Quote, To give just one example, the government's face-covering policy seemed to have been driven by behavioral psychology advice in relation to generating a level of fear necessary for compliance with other policies. Those policies do not appear to have been driven by reason of infection control because there is no robust evidence showing that wearing a face mask covering, particularly cloth or the standard surgical mask, is effective against transmission of the airborne respiratory pathogen such as SARS-CoV-2. On the other hand, there is plenty of evidence suggesting that mask wearing can cause multiple harms, both physical and mental. This has been particularly distressing for the nation's school children, who have been encouraged by government policy and their schools to wear masks for long periods at school. Finally, the use of face coverings is highly symbolic and thus counterproductive in making people feel safe. Now, this very public drumming of the Boris Johnson government goes on to say, quote, The risks of prolonged mask wearing become an ingrained safety behavior, actually preventing people from getting back to normal because they erroneously attribute their safety to the act of mask wearing rather than to the remote risk 
for the vast majority of healthy people under the age of 70 of catching this virus and becoming seriously unwell with COVID. Now, when you look back at the messaging from the Biden administration about any and all things COVID-related, fear and shame for putting others at risk is always present. You, you remember the messaging such as, remember, COVID-19 is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. We put blame and shame on those who decided not to become vaccinated, even though if you were vaccinated, their unvaccination really had no effect on you. What about wear your mask? It's your patriotic duty. As a young boy growing up in the post-World War II environment, I never thought that wearing a mask would make me patriotic. How about you? Well, it took the Biden administration two days to decide whether to challenge the federal court ruling on mandatory masks for public transportation. But in the end, we all knew they couldn't leave well enough alone. Uh, they're, they're going to court to fight for the right to impose mask mandates on anyone their very tiny hearts desire and when it desires to do so. Now, mind you, we had 151,000 hospitalizations a day mid-January of 2022 due to the Omicron variant. Today, we're down to under 10,000 COVID hospitalizations and only 1,500 folks in the ICU for a population of over 336 million Americans. And does anyone believe that public transportation mask mandates has had anything to do with this low number? What exactly is the purpose of the public transportation mask mandate? What is the problem for which a national public transportation mask mandate is the singular solution? The answer, I'm happy to give it to you. The problem is the ego of the CDC and the Biden administration's smug autocratic management style. Yesterday, Joe, Joe Biden said it was up to individual passengers to decide whether or not they wanted to wear a mask on a plane. But today it's all different and for another inexcusable reason. Jen Psaki said the Justice Department announced its willingness to defend the CDC's mandate to help, quote, preserve the agency's power over public transportation. You heard it. It's about power. Well, it's about time to hear from Kamala or Kamala or Vice President Harris. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to... Take a break, a very short break, and then it's time to come right back, because every day it's time to come back and hear the rest of the story. And do I have a lot of important information? You'll be happy you made the time to come back and hear. So hit the head, hit the fridge, and hurry right back. You know you're loved here on the Frankly Daniel Show, and I'm not kidding. There are microbes in the air, and they're in your house, and the Genesis Fogger is the solution. This is a mobile fogger that uses a unique technology to give a non-toxic dry mist to cleanse the air and cleanse your rooms of microbes, whether they be bacterial, fungal, or viral, including SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19. So go to the Genesis Fogger website and use the promo code OUTLOUD 
for a discount on your purchase of the model and get going with a cleaner house as there could be more microbes on the way. We're concerned about not only the current pandemic, but future ones. So let's get real, let's get loud. On America Out Loud Talk Radio, this is a McCullough Report. In today's world, there's no escaping the headlines filled with warnings about emerging viruses and dangerous superbugs. Genesis is the only technology that safely and effectively obliterates harmful pathogens both in the air and on surfaces. Genesis plus HOCL neutralize these threats to your environment in just seconds. Find out more about this amazing technology at genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a 15% discount. With Genesis, you'll be prepared for what's next. How the spirit of American liberty and justice is woven into the soul of America out loud. Now we invite you friends to invest some of your time with our magnificent family of experts, their minds and voices, it's all back at AmericaOutloud.com. Liberty and justice for all. Because of COVID-19, many Americans worry about their health four times a day. That's 120 times per month. To minimize the worries, leading nutritional supplement company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost an immune supplement that contains full effective doses of science-backed nutrients like vitamin C, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea, all in a one-a-day, pill-free, ultra-absorption ingestible gel. It tastes great, comes in a convenient squeeze gel pack, and it's more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Supporting a strong and resilient immune system can be simple. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Immune Super Boost. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Hello, hello, and welcome back to The Frankly Daniel Show. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, do you, do you remember that? This Disney story is one of my childhood favorites. Yes, I, I am concerned about what Disney is going to do in remaking of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Heck, in today's world of identity politics, I'm, I'm not even sure it's safe to refer to them as dwarfs. Not to mention they're all white dwarfs. But seven hardly seems enough of them to cover all the new genders woke Disney is proposing in their new programming. Heck, I'm I'm sure it isn't politic or, or publicly safe to refer to Snow White as white, even that snow is white. But let's stick with the original cast of Seven Dwarfs for a moment. And no, I haven't heard from anyone here in Florida that our legislature is looking to pass a don't say dwarfs law. But in a moment of seriousness, if you were to identify with one of the original dwarfs, or if someone said to you, Oh, you remind me of Dopey, or Sleepy, or Bashful, or Happy, or Doc. Who would they say you remind them of? I'm sure my family would say that over these past 16 months that I've become the personification of, (laughs) you guessed it, grumpy. And I'd agree. As of today, 457 days into the Biden presidency, I have progressed beyond just plain old grumpy, the super grumpy. And today, I'm super grumpy about 
all the Biden administration's heavy-handed and totalitarian, not to mention disingenuous management of all things COVID-19. But let me return for a moment to my show on the power of fear and to what Jen Psaki said about why the Department of Justice was going to appeal the federal judge's invalidation of the CDC's mandatory masking policy. She said, quote, I mean, our focus here was seeing what power we had to preserve, what we felt was in the public health's interest and that of the country. She continued on saying, the mandate is entirely warranted and entirely reasonable. Uh, uh, why? Well, for current and future health crises, we want to preserve that authority for the CDC to have in the future. Now, the key word in Pisaki's message is simple. It's power. It's not about right or wrong, true or false, or about the science. It's all about power. Power over you and me. So, balderdash to the CDC and to Dr. Fauci. Did Dr. Fauci or anyone at the CDC give you the scientific evidence about how effective or efficient face masks are in impeding a viral infection like COVID-19? These so-called scientists love citing statistics and numbers of all sorts to justify their actions and recommendations, but nary a mention of what face masks do and don't do when confronted with this COVID-19-inducing disease. Just put it on and shut the heck up, and don't ask any questions we refuse to answer. Finally, even blabbermouth Dr. Fauci had to come out and admit that cloth masks aren't worth the bother. In fact, surgical masks work so poorly that Dr. Fauci went to wearing two of them at a time. And forget all the baloney as to why surgeons wear surgical masks in the operating room. They wear them so they don't cough or sneeze into an open surgical site. I've been in many ORs. I can tell you the truth on this one. Let me say this again. Surgical masks are not designed to prevent the spread of viruses, but to prevent medical personnel from accidentally infecting the open wounds of patients on operating tables. And let me add that they're worn to prevent bodily fluids from patients spraying up into the mouths and noses of the surgical team. No one I've spoken to believes wearing surgical masks in the OR stops coronaviruses from circulating in the room. That's why the air in ORs is run through powerful HEPA filters, just like on airplanes. So I wish the TV pundits would quit claiming proof of how surgical masks prevent COVID-19 infections by referencing doctors and nurses in the operating rooms wearing these masks. My goodness. Many thousands of emergency room physicians, nurses, and respiratory therapists still got COVID-19 despite religiously wearing masks in the ER. Now, I've said many times on this show that given the nature of this virus, standard surgical face masks, and most certainly cloth face masks, are not protective. Of course, they help if someone's about to sneeze or directly cough into your face. But short of that, forget it. And I submit that when you make five- and six-year-old children wear masks for eight-hour school days, you're actually doing dangerous and harmful acts upon very vulnerable minors. Parents shouldn't tolerate this behavior by well-meaning but misguided and 
often overly woke teachers and school district boards? Let me share with you a very recently published peer-reviewed study out of York University in Canada of masks and facial recognition patterns in children. This is just another example of so many studies already signaling the psychosocial developmental harm to the children of mandatory face masking policies. Researchers had children complete a face memory test and they found that children struggle to recognize masked faces. Now that shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone. I have trouble sometimes recognizing masked faces, especially when I don't know if someone's joking with me or they're being very serious or they're smiling or they're frowning. They found a decrease of 20% in children's ability to recognize masked faces versus unmasked faces. The researchers went on to say not only do masks hinder the ability of children to recognize faces, but they also disrupt the typical holistic way that faces are processed. This study claims that if holistic processing is impaired and recognition is impaired, then there's a strong probability it will impair children's ability to navigate through social interactions with their peers and teachers, leading to issues forming important relationships. Now, the lead investigator said, given the importance of faces to social interactions, this is something we need to pay immediate attention to. By the way, I, I, I was rummaging through the foreign science literature on face mask studies in Europe and Canada, and I was surprised to find that researchers often refer to COVID-19 as the Chinese Communist Party virus, or for short, the CCP virus. <laughs> Honest, they, they use this terminology in all of their peer-reviewed study publications. It's like my nerves. I Just think what our woke radicals must think of that. I hope it drives them bonkers. In any event, when given the chance to accept this federal judge's ruling to graciously bow out of this long-standing mask fiasco, the Biden administration just can't let it go. And so you ask, what's the media's major complaint about this judge? Well, they complain that this federal judge in question was a Supreme Court clerk for Justice Clarence Thomas. And even worse than that, she was appointed to the federal bench by, you guessed it, Donald J. Trump. This is the science the media is following. It's the science of slurs and innuendo. Everything the radical left doesn't agree with always seems to come back to Donald Trump. And now even uh, Justice Clarence Thomas is included in the everyday slander. In fact, it seems the only thing radical progressive Democrats like Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and Joe Biden, the only thing they fear is the return of Donald Trump. Otherwise, why would they spend so much effort to constantly belittle him or try to impeach him for the third time? But then again, they, they don't fear the second coming of Christ, so why should they fear the return of Donald Trump? But back to the harm to children by autocrats' insistence that they follow the science of infection prevention with face masks. Now, Dr. Jennifer Grant, an infectious disease physician and medical professor, recently vented her frustrations in an op-ed in the Ottawa Citizen, a Canadian publication, obviously. She wrote, We are trading the certainty of profound harm to our children for essentially no benefit from a public health or disease transmission perspective. It's an indictment of the politicians who feel comfortable using our children as political pawns 
that this is happening despite the overwhelming and irrefutable evidence that it serves no purpose in the past and is unlikely to do so now. Earlier I said that wearing a mask may be harmful, a harm that outweighs any possible protective benefit in shielding us from COVID-19. Now, first allow me to point out that a COVID particle is around 100 nanometers, and I, I know that that doesn't mean much to anyone, but it's pretty darn small. The material gaps in blue surgical masks are up to a thousand times that size. And in cloth masks, the gaps can be 5,000 times that size. Let let me ask you, if you want to prevent a glass of water from spilling all over your countertop, would you pour it into a bowl or a colander? Now, colanders are great for washing grapes, but not for holding water back. And here's an environmental kicker. In the last year alone, there's been an 84-fold or 8,400% increase in mask litter compared to the previous year. Mask litter has gone from less than 0.01% of global waste to greater than 0.8%. Yes, the global environments are up in arms about the exploding mask, particularly those blue surgical masks, the litters in our landfills, our beaches, waterways, and forests, and urban areas. But, But should we care? Aren't these masks like all disposable, protective, medical equipment, biodegradable? No, it it isn't. Furthermore, we're discovering surgical masks are a danger in so many new ways. No, I'm just not talking about the rebreathing of CO2 or facial and mucosal infections from repeatedly wearing the same supposedly single-use disposable mask. I'm speaking to the material these ubiquitous blue, pink, gray, and black surgical masks are made from. The majority of these masks are made from a polyester microplastic. In fact, many of the face masks contain polyester fibers with chlorine compounds that you breathe directly into your lungs. So as you wear one of these typical surgical masks, you're actually inhaling microplastics directly, and these substances are much more toxic than if you swallowed them as they, they go directly into your nervous system. Or so says a recent, very alarming uh, 2022 British publication, by Jenner et al. entitled Detection of Microplastic in Human Lung Tissue Using Field Spectrometry for the Acquisition of Infrared Data of Natural Surfaces. That's a mouthful. What a catchy title, huh? The, The dangers from inhaling microplastics and other materials is highlighted by Dr. Paul E. Alexander in an April 16, 2022 article in Epic Times entitled how dangerous are masks for children? How dangerous are masks for children? I recommend you, you go to Epic Times and look that one up. Dr. Alexander says, quote, These blue surgical masks pervade our lives. They remain ubiquitous. The Canadian Health uh, Service issued a warning about blue and gray disposable face masks, which contain an asbestos-like substance associated with early pulmonary toxicity. The warning is specific to potentially toxic mass distributed within schools and daycares across Quebec. Health Canada discovered during a preliminary risk assessment that these masks contain microscopic graphene particles that when inhaled could cause severe lung damage. Now he goes on to say what is in 
indeed frightening is that all of these blue or similar surgical face masks cause plastic fiber inhalation, and the outcomes could be devastating, especially to children. He goes on to say that persons making COVID policy decisions don't seem to care about these harmful implications. These face mask plastics will degrade very slowly over time, and as such, in the lungs, it may remain and just build up to dangerous levels over time. Dr. Alexander ends his extensive article with a warning from the Journal of the American Medical Association that says, quote, Face masks should not be worn by healthy individuals to protect themselves from acquiring respiratory infection because there's no evidence to suggest that face masks worn by healthy individuals are effective in preventing people from becoming ill. Isn't that a surprise? Have you heard anything about microplastic inhalation from the CDC? So let, let's check it out for ourselves. Go ahead and look at that blue surgical mask that you may have in your car, your purse, your pocket. Better yet, take a magnifying glass and look at it. Then take a piece of, of colored tape, uh, everyday tape, like electrical black tape, and place the sticky side down on either side uh, inside, outside of a disposable surgical mask. When you pull the tape up, you can see the microplastic fibers stuck to the tape. Go ahead and, and use a magnifying glass and, and you'll see them. These are the microplastic particles that Canadians and European public health physicians are beginning to talk about and warn us about. On to another major area of concern about the damage to children of mask mandates at school. Now, the Fairfax County Public Schools is one of the two most troublesome woke school districts in Virginia, perhaps actually in all the nation. This school district has continued to defy newly elected Governor Glenn Youngkin's executive order to make masking school-aged children voluntary and not mandatory. A Fairfax County Public Schools speech and language pathologist and mother speaking anonymously, said she's been inundated with referrals since November of 2021. She said, all of my kids in second grade and below are confusing sounds. Their speech and language development and social-emotional development are being stunted, and I see it right in front of my eyes. She explained that younger learners should develop phonological awareness skills which is understanding sounds and letter correspondence before they're ready to and while they're learning to read. Because the students have not had access to faces, their phonological skills are significantly behind. She closed by saying, I'm 100% confident in saying that lack of visual access to faces prohibits speech, language, social, emotional, phonological, awareness, and literacy skill development. Well, I already have too much to share with you, and there's so little time. So allow me to take you back to January 26, 2021. This was five days after Joe Biden's lamentable inauguration. On January 26, 2021, Joe Biden stepped up to the presidential podium and asked America to wear face masks for the first 100 days of his presidency. This was his first leg of a plan to rid the nation of COVID-19. Now, in that address, he outrageously claimed that if Americans stepped up and did their patriotic duty, it would save 
100,000 American lives. Did you ever believe that just wearing a face mask made you a patriot? What lies? What lies we've been told, and it's amazing that the Biden administration just can't let it go. The progressive left has learned that if you're going to lie and make the lie effective, five things are necessary. First, you have to repeat the lie as often as possible. Second, if you're going to lie, make it a big lie. Don't waste energy and media time lying about small things. Go big or go silent. 100,000 lives saved if we, if we just all wear masks for 100 consecutive days. Now there's a beautiful big fat lie. There's no way to prove or disprove its premise. So the third thing to remember is that if you're going to lie, make sure that no one could come back and show that you're a liar. But fourth, you have to know when to give up the lie. Because if you keep the lie for too long, someone is going to do the necessary research to disprove that you've been lying. And then you have to come up with another lie as to why you didn't believe you were lying when you know you were lying. It's why politicians get trapped in their own convoluted, dishonest rhetoric all the time. And fifth, and perhaps most importantly, the, the most effective lies instill fear into the message. In this case, if we all don't mask up, hundreds of thousands of Americans will, not could, but will die, and one of these Americans could be you. Now, nearly 600,000 Americans have died of COVID during Joe Biden's 15 or so months as president. Let me now take you back to the future or September 29th of 2020, just before the election. That's the date of the first presidential debate between Joe Biden and then-President uh, Donald Trump. Here's what Joe Biden had to say about Donald Trump's management of the COVID-19 pandemic. As you listen to this clip, think back to Joe Biden's first days in office in late January of 2021, just four months from his statements of September 29, 2020. Remember, Joe Biden came into office with three emergency-approved COVID-19 vaccines developed and produced under the Trump Warp Speed program. Joe Biden came into office after Congress had already appropriated more than $5 trillion in COVID relief. Joe Biden came into office with a fully developed, highly accurate COVID-19 testing program. Joe Biden came into office with a fully funded and highly productive personal protective wear equipment program. Joe Biden came into office with Trump already encouraging schools to reopen, that there was no evidence that schools should remain shut down, regardless of what the nation's teachers' unions were saying. And yet, what did Joe Biden do with all his plans to arrest COVID? Joe appointed highly political leaders to his cabinet and to the post at the CDC and the NIH and the FDA to run roughshod over all things COVID. Millions of Americans were fired or forced out of employment for refusing to be COVID vaccinated. Joe supported the teachers' union's demand to be first in line for COVID vaccines, stating they were more essential than other essential workers. Joe's political appointees mandated masks in schools and everywhere possible. And when the Omicron COVID variant went America-wide over the 2021 Christmas holiday, home testing kits were nowhere available for purchase because Joe had shut the home testing program down. 
Yet two months later, the Biden administration spent over $100 billion reviving the home testing kit industry and mailed hundreds of millions of home testing kits to Americans at government expense. The only problem was that the Omicron variant had done its damage and had largely disappeared from the landscape. Now here's that promised clip. 200,000 dead. As you said, over 7 million infected in the United States. We, in fact, have 5%, 4% of the world's population, 20% of the deaths. 40,000 people a day are contracting COVID. In addition to that, about between 750 and 1,000 people a day are dying. When he was presented with that number, he said, it is what it is. Well, it is what it is because you are who you are. That's why it is. The president has no plan. He hasn't laid out anything. Exactly what we should be doing. And I laid out again in July what we should be doing. We should be providing all the protective gear possible. We should be providing the money the House has passed in order to be able to go out and get people the help they need to keep their businesses open. Open schools that cost a lot of money. You should get out of your bunker and get out of the sand trap and get in in your golf course and go in the Oval Office and bring together the Democrats and Republicans and fund what needs to be done now to save lives. Can you imagine had Joe Biden been president instead of Trump in late 2019 and early 2020? Look back to how Joe handled the swine flu epidemic in 2009. And then again on how he's handled COVID since taking office in 2021. Now fast forward to October 22nd of 2020. That was the date of the second and only other presidential debate. 220,000 Americans dead. If you hear nothing else I say tonight, hear this. Anyone who's responsible for not taking control, in fact, not saying I'm, I take no responsibility initially, anyone who's responsible for that many deaths should not remain as president of the United States of America. Under this Joe Biden stated criteria, Joe should have resigned in August of last year because he had superseded 200,000 deaths from COVID in his first seven months in office. And as of today, Joe has racked up over 500,000 COVID deaths. And Joe had all the tools to start with. That is, with the exception of the newest pill form of antivirals designed specifically to treat COVID-19. If we just wore these masks, the president's own advisors have told him, we could save 100,000 lives. And we're in a circumstance where the president thus far and still has no plan, no comprehensive plan. What I would do is make sure we have everyone encouraged to wear a mask all the time. I would make sure... So here we go with the first of Joe's solutions to COVID-19. If we just all would wear masks, and if you don't, you're not doing your patriotic duty, and you're putting other people at risk. You, you know that when Trump left the hospital after his bout with COVID-19, he refused to wear a mask. Why? Because his physicians told him he had natural immunity to further serious infections. Now, where have you heard this argument about natural immunity before? And still, the Biden administration and the CDC have been nothing but pushback on natural immunity. 
we move in the direction of rapid testing, investing in rapid testing. I would make sure that we set up national standards as to how to open up schools and open up businesses so they can be safe and give them the wherewithal, the financial resources to be able to do that. So Joe is, Joe is going to accelerate testing. I've, I've already talked about how well Joe's program to make home testing kits available during the height of a national panic over the Omicron mini-pandemic went. In short, it was an extremely expensive disaster. And, and Joe was going to set national standards for opening schools and businesses. What a joke. The only problem is that he turned the opening of schools over to the CDC and to the teachers' unions. And we all know how well that went. Just another frustrating disaster. In the last 18 months, we've witnessed an organic uprising rarely seen in American politics. Parents have organized locally and nationally to oppose the heavy and out-of-control, authoritative, despotic hand of woke, radically progressive school boards and the Biden administration's COVID-19 mandates. As we close today's program, let me leave you with Joe Biden's words about COVID-19 from that second unpresidential debate. And so, folks, I will take care of this. I will end this. I will make sure we have a plan. Thank you for sharing your time with me today. I'm Daniel Francis Baranowski, and you've been listening to The Frankly Daniel Show on the America Out Loud Network.